0: Welcome to Fish, Talk, and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. This is John Hennigan, and welcome to Fish, Hunt Talk Radio.
1: We have uh, Frank Selby, our, uh, again, we're getting confused. He used to be the co-host, but I think he wants, uh, wants to be the host. <laughs> uh, but uh, we just uh, finished up the Long Beach show last weekend, and San Diego's coming up. But, man, that's an ordeal Yeah, to yeah. we'll get through that. But, uh, Frank, before we get into the show, I'd like to do a little plug for one of our sponsors called Lucky Tackle Box. And basically what it is for a very low price, you sign up. And every month, um, you get a package delivered to you with all kinds of fun stuff, uh, lures and different types of bait and different things that uh, um, you'll be able to experiment with and use. And as you know, uh, you might have your favorite lures, but uh, you don't know what it's going to be until you try another one. But uh, it's just like uh, every month, it's like Christmas. Open yeah. up, you get this package, and it's full of this good stuff. And you can go to LuckyTackleBox.com. But we're going to be talking about some more of them in the future, and maybe when we get organized here, we will start giving some stuff away, including that. But uh, we would appreciate if you'd go to um, go on the web and go to Lucky Tackle Box. And if you want to just get in touch with them and find out more about what it is, got a special deal arranged for your first one. And if you mention uh, Fish Talk, uh, I believe they give you a $10 off your first order. But anyway, we're going to get on with that and get back into the show. We're going to have Bart coming up. We're going to be talking about the San Diego Del Mar show. And we're starting to wrap up the season here with all of the um consumer shows but uh boy uh there's a ton of them and anything you want to do anywhere you want to go you just uh, spend the day now san diego you might be able to get through it in one day long beach no possible way But uh, Anyway, we're going to come back in a minute with Bart and with Frank, and we'll have plenty to talk about. You are listening to Fish on Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Go to fishtalkradio.com anytime. Check us out, and we're going to talk about some trips and things coming up.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is
1: John Hennigan. We have Frank Selby and we have the man himself. a hey, Bart, I spent last weekend at the Long Beach Show. Wow. What can I tell you? Uh, I have to admit, by the way, you're looking good. Looks like you lost some weight. Oh, well, I'm not sure, though. I, 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 yeah, were you done to a triple X yet?
4: Uh, no, I'm triple X for a long time. I just don't weigh myself, so
1: I never know. <laughs> anyway, um, Saturday, I just I said, no, man, I can't do this. Because I was there Friday afternoon, Saturday, and Sunday for a while. And so I rented one of those electric uh, scooters for, yeah. th- for three hours. And, whoa, boy, did that make a difference. Got a chance to sit down and cruise around. And it worked out really well because people kind of stayed out of the way. But I did get a chance to talk to a lot of people. Matter of fact, the next one coming up is from High Seas Trading Company. We're going to talk about apparel. But uh, let's jump in and talk to, I guess, the finale for you, which is the Del Mar show coming up.
4: Uh, yes, it's the last of our three shows. and It begins on uh, March 22nd, which is a week from today on Thursday, and uh, ends on Sunday the 25th. And uh, we're looking forward to it.
1: Oh, I bet you are. I bet you're looking forward to it to be over too, huh?
4: Well, not really. You know, you work hard. Our job is that we plan these things, and then we have to execute them. And you know, once they're gone, they're gone. Like that Long Beach show was probably the best Long Beach show in history, and yet it's completely gone. It'll never be here again.
1: Well, not that one anyway. So
4: uh, how about that one? How many people?
1: How many people do you think attended that show? Do you have any idea?
4: Yeah, but the last time we gave out attendance figures, John was nineteen forty six.
1: Oh, okay.
5: <laughs>
4: yeah, we don't we don't do that. You know, we use all available parking, and all of the shows that we do, and and that's that's good enough. When you can't park any more people, you can't get any more people in the building. So yeah.
1: Well, that's what we do. yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, it's it, it, actually it worked out pretty good. I found some spots that I could you know that I could get into. But uh uh the so Marshall good,
4: our biggest complaint is that uh, yeah, I drove around for an hour couldn't find a place to park and went home. So. Oh no. Yeah, that's our biggest complaint. Cuz wow. we use the, all the parking at the convention center, and then we rent hotel parking and then we use the Aquarium of the Pacific and then we use the commercial pike lot and once they're full they're, we we run shuttles but there's just nothing else there's no place else. So.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you it was uh it was a good one. And, it's the best one I've seen yeah. in years. Yeah, well, Frank, so you've been doing that for a while, haven't you? Yeah, Bart's been taking care of
6: me for a lot of years. We won't say how many. But well, you uh, You know,
1: I caught part, part of a couple of your seminars, uh, Frank. Yeah.
6: Yeah, I have a pretty good crowd.
1: Yeah. but uh, Anyway, tell us a bit more about the Del Mar show uh, before we get too, too far into it, Bart.
4: Well, it's San Diego's only fishing show. It's it's the oldest and largest on land boat show, and uh, it's uh, the outdoor recreation event of the year.
1: Yeah, and There's
4: it a- acres of boats, hundreds of booths, over over 200 seminars in the in the four days. Uh, lots of outdoor activities. Uh, we have the Mammoth Lakes Kids Fish Free Trout Pond. We have the uh, San Diego County Four Dealers Paul Bunyan Lumberjack Shows. Yeah, the Great American Duck Races. The, Ram Trucks, Ultimate Air Dogs. We have uh, the casting in the city, uh, fishing in the city, casting for kids. We have fly casting. This is a chance where Frank can actually go out there and teach you how to, how to uh, cast. And, and we have just uh, a, a lot of stuff. You know, the accurate saltwater tank. Nobody else has a saltwater tank other than us. We have the, the Daiwa bass tank. We have the Mammoth Lake Seminar area. Uh, and we have the the, the mammoth lakes no small adventure three hundred sixty virtual reality that we had at Long Beach is also in Delmar. well so you,
1: instead, of of sea, instead of just going to instead of just going to sea world, you know go down there and, and get into that because there 's a lot there, no matter what your interests are because if if you want to book a fishing trip to uh, uh South America, a hunting trip to Alaska or uh um, Africa. Uh, whatever it is, there's there's a, a group of people that are there to help you out.
4: That's true, and Turners will be uh, displaying guns down there for the first time, so oh. it's very nice for them to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's just a it's just a fun thing, and you just walk around, you can feel the energy.
6: <laughs> yeah. I like the rock climbing.
1: The rock climbing, <laughs> I, don't, I remember that.
6: You know, the, the Del Mar.
4: Rock, oh. rock climbing was on the patio right next to the Deep Blue suit.
1: <laughs> well, one of the things about the Del Mar show, Frank, is that uh, there's a racetrack there, and it's got thousands and thousands of uh, parking spots, doesn't it?
4: Well, you can't park on the racetrack. but Well, because, no, but
1: I mean the parking okay, lot. Because
4: it's a, fair, a fairground, they're equipped to handle... Lots of cars, so it's the one venue of of our three, and one one of the, the only venue I've ever done a show in where the parking isn't the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that makes it easy. So, no matter where you are uh, in any part of the United States, um, you know the weather. I think is starting to spring is springing, and the weather started to look a little better. So, come to Southern California and make sure you stop by the Del Mar show.
4: Yeah, well, it's. Uh it's a fun show. I think most of the exhibitors look at it as a vacation. Yeah. You know, they, they like to be right there on the ocean. You can see the ocean from the fairgrounds. And as you step out the door, there it is, and train comes running by, and, and the people really like it there. And the nice thing about it is it's the largest consumer show of any kind in the nation's fifth, fifth largest economy. So it's a big show nationally, and yet it's smaller than Long Beach, so we have a chance to visit with our exhibitors uh, more personally. And we have a fundraising dinner on Friday night for um, Coastal Conservation Association of California. And, of course, if you join the Cal, you get in free to the show down there. Plus, you get a goodie bag worth a couple hundred bucks. And you get entered into several thousand dollars worth of raffles. Yeah. Good deal.
1: Yeah, well, I went to one of those some years ago, and, and, uh, you know, there was almost a surprise for everybody. Um, you get some well, good stuff.
5: Yeah,
4: we we try to make that. And friends of Rollo has a prize for it, mm-hmm. uh, You give if you give Rollo ten dollars to spin the wheel, you're going to win a prize worth at least ten dollars.
1: Yeah, yeah, a no, good it's, deal. It, it's a uh, it, it's it, it's a great thing. Yeah.
6: Well, Bart, I hope it's as good, better. Than the Long Beach show, I think it's going to be one of our best shows down there, too. It looks like more people are coming out and wanting to do the bow shooting and all the other activities. What I love about your shows, you have something for everybody. I don't care what age you are, what kind of sport you're in. There's always something there going on for them. <clears throat> Am I right or wrong?
4: You're, you're absolutely right, Frank. That was our business model that my father started in 1946. Well, <laughs> well if I'm you're sure that a family can, can come out and have, for the price of admission be entertained all day,
1: right? Well, if and you're in
4: Del Mar, it's even uh, more uh, than uh, than Long Beach because we have more grounds around outside, so we have seating for people outside to eat, sit, I watch the kids catch fish, and just have a real good time. It, it's it's a really relaxed and comfortable show, yet. Big
6: enough to have everything in it you need?
1: More than you need. Well, just a a quick comment because we don't have a whole lot of time. If you're in an urban area, um, you know, there are kids that, you know, have never been to the forest. And, you know, take, take a kid with you, and, you know, you'd be surprised how it can open their eyes as to what's available out there. Or if you're a hardcore angler or a hunter, I mean, it's definitely got everything for you.
4: Yeah, we're, we're um, you know, you're not going to get rid of the devices that kids use. They're here to stay, but you have to have a balance in your life. And one of the reasons that we've put well over a million kids through our tripod. For free! Oh, that's is, so much we fun. We want to get we want to get them um, excited about outdoor activity. Oh
1: man, just and that, you know that's fun to just stop by there and watch these kids that are, you know, just barely old enough to you know to put their line in the water, and and then they get uh, a bite and the swiggly thing is all over and they get all excited and don't know what to do, and uh, that's, okay. that's really really exciting. And you know what? You get to take your fish home with you.
4: You do, or you can release it, whatever yeah.
5: you like.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, the dates, and they probably want to go to uh, Fred Hall. What, what's the website? Fredhall.com?
4: Yes, Fredhall.com. And okay. the dates are March 22nd to the 25th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Thursday and Friday, we open at noon and close at 8. Saturday, we open at 10 and close at 8. And Sunday, we open at 10 and close at 6.
1: Great. Well, it's been a great working with you, uh, Bart, and we'll talk to you soon. Let me tell
2: you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides and the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel. The chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at MangroveInBaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's 434-953-8598.
8: Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 mpg highway based on V6 4x2. The East
3: Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, Tuna, Wahoo, Marlin, Sailfish, Roosterfish, and Parco. The Van Warmer resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world class fishing can be the finest resorts and the best boats in east cape call 877-777-TUNA welcome back to
0: fish talk and hunt radio with john Henneken. this is john hennigan and
1: frank selby and we have a new guest uh uh terrell agnew is that correct that 's correct all right, and he 's with a co- company called High Seas Trading Company, which could be just about anything, I suppose, but I did stop by your booth when we were down at the long beach uh, uh, Fred Hall show, and I was very impressed with what you got there, which is quite a variety, so why don 't we just to let people understand um, wh- what is it you do and what kind of a variety do you have?
9: Okay, well, High Seas Trading come from the well, High Seas we I grew up in Dana Point and we had uh the fishing, boating and surfing down there. The ship on the uh <clears throat> on our logo um comes from a ship down there in the harbor, and basically we started doing clothing in 1988. Started with uh, hand-painted shirts, went into uh, shorts, and for well over two decades our specialty has been for uh, Hawaiian shirts. More specifically, novelty like fishing, boating, tropical ones, stuff sailing, and uh, under-the-sea stuff. That's a lot of what you saw at the show. Uh, we also had a very large display of stuff we do for outerwear, uh, which is um, long sleeve shirts, uh, jackets, and hoodies. We have water resistant, we have waterproof, windproof for all different conditions.
1: Wow! Yeah, the I waterproof. don't. Yeah, didn't see all of that. <laughs> but
6: the uh, waterproof is. Go ahead, John.
1: No, Frank, go ahead
6: the waterproof shirts are excellent because a lot of times when we're out there we get sopping wet and that just runs off and you don't have to worry you can go on a heavy rain for about 15 20 minutes and the water just beads right off your pants get wet but your shirt doesn't <laughs> why don't you make a pair of pants that does the same thing <laughs> well we 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 don't do
9: we do mostly uh, the jackets and the shirts but so, yeah. probably there's some gear out there that you can do like that. Uh, most of our stuff we make is for warm weather, although we do have a lot of jackets. And we have a new one now that's uh, really lightweight. It is packable, so it rolls up into the size of about a baseball cap. But it's also waterproof and windproof. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's good for the cold. you know, uh, to keep you dry.
1: Right. Well, you know, Frank and I are going to go on a trip up to Alaska in July, and the typical day you go out and it'll be pretty clear. And in July, it'll actually be pretty warm out of uh, uh, Ketchikan and in that Clover Pass. But uh, sometime during the day, a cloud will come over and dump on you, and then the sun comes out. And it sounds like what you what you've got would be perfect for that.
9: Well, yeah, I mean, this one's brand new. We've had different uh, kinds of sweatshirts in the past. We also have one that's been really popular over the last, uh, I would say it's almost 20 years now, but it's its a sweatshirt, but it has a poly shell on it, so it's really lightweight and warm, but it also repels water. The new one's even lighter. It's packable, so it's basically like nylon, and you can fold it and roll it up, and it fits in uh, into the hood, and basically that rolled up is about the size. Of the inside of a baseball cap, yeah. So it's very lightweight. It's this kind of thing you need where you you go out to the, like you said, the weather's questionable. You're at the beach, and you don't want to carry a heavy jacket. You can just throw it in a small bag, and yeah. if it rains, everybody else will be wearing uh, trash bags, and you'll have a <laughs> sweet looking jacket on there. There
1: you go. <clears throat> well, you know, well, you mentioned nylon. Uh, let's talk about diff- now. First of all. Um, you apparently, what you do is all made in the United States, correct?
9: Yeah. Well, we um, manufacture, cut, sew, print, embroider, design everything here in uh, California.
1: Well, I mean, in this day and age, that's uh, that that doesn't happen. Nobody does that.
9: Well, it's less than 2% right now that do. We've been doing it all along and our main line is the uh, you know, is our line of uh, Hawaiian shirts and well, also the t-shirts and stuff, but um, that would be very hard to do with the quality we mm-hmm. we maintain anywhere else because mm-hmm. we see the shop you know, just a couple times a week and uh, we, there's, there's a lot of high-end stuff and a lot of specialty um, that's involved work that's involved in making those garments.
1: Well, yeah. You know, when we're talking about it, uh, give us a tutorial on the different type of uh, clothing and a different material you, you use and for why. Now, if someone wants to go buy a shirt, for example, whether it's from you or for somebody else, depending on what they use, kind of describe the different types of materials in which each one is suits best.
9: Well, I mean, if if you're talking about. Uh shirts, like Hawaiian shirts, or are you talking Cut.
1: about Well, what, what, whatever it is, the use is. Now, Hawaiian shirts are probably cotton, correct?
9: Yeah, well, they make them in different um different materials we use cotton only because a lot of our um you know people are travelers and it it packs well um it also breathes really well as well since a lot of people go into mexico a lot of people go to hawaii or florida where it's um a lot of humidity the cotton breathes well and a lot of the ones synthetics they don't breathe unless they're vented but um yeah, and no, it was going to stick to you, and it's really, really hot. So we like to use cotton for t-shirts, and we like to use it for the Hawaiian shirts. Now, on certain things like if you're guiding or you're in uh, <clears throat> fishing in Florida or whatnot, a lot of these guys are in the water, and they'll use like a. Uh, um, uh, spandex and uh, uh, nylon or a UV protection you know uh, garment that uh, that's synthetic and that's a kind of for a different use. But if they're in the sun all day, they need something to cover up with. Otherwise, right. they're going to
1: get... Well, you know something that may not be fair to ask you questions that you we're anticipating. But what's becoming popular with the Pongarinos and the captains in Mexico um, is shirts that have a long sleeve. And it's not because of the cold it because it you know keeps the sun off your arms and and uh um so you just need something lightweight that you know that you can put on and and protect you from the sun even but you don't want to get hot
9: yeah i mean that's definitely something um that you see in Florida a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's skin cancer's an issue. Also, getting burnt's an issue. These guys aren't going out for, you know, half hour. Some of these guys are going out all day. They yeah. have different uh, levels of UV protection for some of the fabrics, and um, mm-hmm. that's quite a uh, bit of the reason why that's been popular in the fishing industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, those type of shirts or rash guards, that type of thing, because they have you. A lot of surfers use them too because they're out in the water, and it gives them sun protection as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we said clothing is uh, is part of your equipment. I mean, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go hunting, you know, you have basic things you, you you need, things you put on your feet, and uh, the equipment you carry, uh, and your clothing is so important.
9: Yeah, I would say definitely, uh, it, and especially to, depending on what conditions you're in, um, a lot of the people again, you know, it, it, California can vary. A lot of uh, oh, yeah. we we've been surprised with as much outerwear as we sell in, you know, in the spring, whereas in, in most industries we don't. But the people that are buying them uh, would be, you know, they're on a boat at. 4.45 in the morning, going out at Point Loma, and it's still cold, and they, they want something. And, uh, you know, the long sleeves as well. We sell a lot of long sleeves for the same reason as, you know, as you were saying. Um, people like to cover up their arms, and it's a little bit lighter weight. You know, for California, it's pretty. it works pretty well.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, it sounds like you've got quite an array. Uh, if probably want to go to your website, which is...
9: Um, highseastradingco.com
1: oh okay you know what I didn't have the co in there
9: yeah well, we have both domains so so high, high speed <laughs> high speed, high, speed,
1: one. High, speed or, uh, uh, high, high seas, seas trading trading. dot com will work okay
9: yeah both of them go there, and we have an array um you know like I said, a lot of the stuff that we make is actually for after fishing or uh it, which is you know the tropical wear. but we have a lot of right now more than anybody in the fishing collection we have prints with uh, all different kinds of freshwater prints lures we have ones with sharks on them we have big game fish. Yeah. Uh, we have like four or five different boating ones, which is cool, and then along a whole array of stuff. We also have our headwear there, uh, T-shirts, and yeah. some
1: outerwear as well. Well, my closet, I've got a row of uh, t- mostly uh, short sleeve shirts, and you know, you go through there, and pretty much all of them have fish on them some degree. <laughs> well, that's funny.
9: <laughs> well, it's cool that you can have those. I mean, definitely right now, there's uh, there was, was other companies making them in the printings, but not too much anymore. And we've got some good artists that we work with out of Hawaii, and then another one uh, that was a you know marine biologist that was also a painter that we got some stuff out of. So it's okay. correct, um, but we definitely do that a lot. And you know we we've worked a lot. I, I met you at the Fred Hall show in in Long Beach, which I right. believe is the biggest. Oh yeah, in the world, uh, it, it's a, a a ton of different kind of people there, and right. we got to meet people from you know basically all over the world. But it's a Exciting to see all the the different
1: uh, well, booths. We've got uh, we got about a minute and a half. Let's talk about pricing. Now, every almost not every show, but what I learned a long time ago is what you pay for something. Uh, if it doesn't do what you bought it for, you're throwing your money away. So, paying too little uh, could mean you know it is, is a mistake. But you know paying. For high-end design and you know things that you're, um, you know, is is also I believe a mistake. But for your prices, seem to be you know in the mid-range, right?
9: Yeah, they're in the middle range because um, we're mainly, um, you know, we we sell the stores, but a lot of it's directly to public, so we don't have to market up as some of the stores. As far as I think about quality, I mean, this is pretty much my life's work, so we want to put out everything as high quality as possible. We also have done that show for 20-plus years, and I have to see the people the next year, so we want to make sure... Yeah uh that it's you know it holds up and well, that's what we built our you name you didn't
1: start early and i you don't look old enough to be doing this for 20 years <laughs> 30 years Whoa my gosh started you yeah, year so six I, huh
9: we started doing um hand-painted shirts and, okay. and stuff in you know uh okay. 1988.
1: well uh, make sure you guys uh, log in to try it out and uh mention my name and Terrell will give you a half price right Terrell? <laughs>
9: We'll set up a link on there, but there anyways, anybody wants to find us, you can find us on uh, Facebook at High Seas Trading, Instagram, High Seas Trading, or online at seastrading.com or-
1: Okay, Terrell, we're out of here. We'll, we'll bring you back. You're listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio.
2: The fall and winter season is here, and time for some fantastic fishing. The trout and bass are biting, a quick drive from the valleys below. We have some great boat rentals to choose from or bring your own. Visit LakeGregoryRecreation.com for information. LakeGregoryRecreation.com. That's LakeGregoryRecreation.com.
8: The road stretches for miles in front of you, and with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 mpg highway based on V6 4x2.
3: The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world-famous for sport fishing. Dorado, Tuna, Wahoo, Marlin, Sailfish, Roosterfish and parko. The Van Warmer is resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan and Frank
1: Selby, also a good friend of ours that we haven't had on for, gosh, way too long because it seems like you're always out uh, in a bass contest or something someplace. Uh, Always out fishing. (laughs) We've got got Mark (laughs) Lesane from Bass Angler Magazine, and the website is... uh, BassAnglerMag.com BassAnglerMag.com And, uh, gosh, I think I met you at a hall show some many, many years ago. But you've done... Yep, you've probably done, like 20. It was, <laughs> God, don't say that. But uh, you've, you've done a great job. And obviously, you know, the publisher of the magazine who's a professional bass angler, that's got to be something, right?
11: You know, if we're going to publish a bass fishing magazine, I
1: should know how to catch bass. Well, it's you know, in this day and age, it doesn't really matter, but uh, it's certainly nice <laughs> to know. But uh, you know, you got some great tips, and it's a great magazine. How do you get that magazine?
11: You know, you just go to our uh, website, BassAnglerMag.com. Go up, uh, you know, on the left-hand corner and sign up for a subscription, and uh, we'll send you a copy in just a couple weeks.
1: All right, perfect. Well, and, you know, in, a, in the, the magazine, it's, you know, you don't have to give up-to-the-minute uh, um, spots and how-tos because it's uh, universal. There's bass fishing all over the United States, and it's, you know, bass do pretty much the same thing wherever they are. So this time of sure. the year is uh, spawning season, Right.
11: It's well, we're getting there. You know, yeah. in some in some areas it's still winter time. Uh, in some areas it's uh, just about summer. Yeah. So some of the, you know, if you're looking at Texas, low, lower Texas, Florida, you know, Louisiana, those fish are spawning, or some of them are actually done. You know, you get up in the Northwest, and they're not—they're not started yet. Um, you know, here in California, Arizona, they're just getting going.
1: Well, give us they an idea. Let's, three, let's talk. Stages, let's talk for a, a minute just about spawning. Now, you know, you don't want to take a bass that's laying eggs. Of course, you always put them back. But does that interrupt their spawn? Is is when they're, when you're after them, or will they bite when they're spawning?
11: Well, they they will bite. Um, You know, it's a a controversial subject. They say if you catch one and put it right back, you know, everything will be fine. But, you know, but I I think, I believe it does kind of, you know, stresses them out. You imagine if uh, somebody ripped you out of your bed in the middle of the night and then threw you back in there, you'd probably be a little
1: shook up. Yeah. (laughs) So <laughs> yeah, it happens to me all the time.
5: <laughs>
11: yeah. So, but but you know, I mean, they go in there. The female lays the eggs, and then the male fertilizes it. and The female takes off, and then the male stays there and guards the nest. And oh. you know what? They do stay there, and then they you do you can antagonize those fish into biting. Um, mm-hmm. So, and you know, sometimes it's pretty fun to do that if you just catch them and put them right back. Um, usually, no no harm will come to the all fish right. or the. Or the
1: eggs? Yeah. Well, you don't take them to the weigh-in station and then take and then just put them back in the lake. You just want no. to catch them and put them right back in where you found them.
6: Yeah, they'll run right back to the nest in less than a minute. Yeah. I've released a lot of them, and when I take kids out, they'll hook them and we release them. And you can see them shoot right back to the
1: nest. Well, the feeding for bass. Now, you know, some fish. Well, like the salmonoids. Um, well, the Especially the you know the 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 salmons, the different species um they stop eating, go upstream, and they kind of use up uh, their stored energy, they spawn and they die but uh what about the feeding habits uh pre and post spawn for bass?
11: You no, know, that's a, that's a good question. Well, pre-spawn, you know, these fish need a lot of protein, so a lot of times they're eating they're eating crawfish when they can find them. You know, and bass are also opportunistic feeders. So if a shad swims by or a bluegill, they'll fit in his mouth. They'll they'll eat it. So you know, pre-spawn, they uh, they feed up pretty heavy. So usually when you know when you catch a pre-spawn fish, because they're super fat, mm-hmm. um, then during the, during the spawn, they don't eat too much, so they get, they get pretty thin, both the male and the female. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, it takes them a, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, to probably get acclimated again to where they're really starting, starting to eat. Mm-hmm. I think they get, uh, pretty stressed out, you know, while the, the whole spawning ritual. And then after a couple of weeks, then they start biting again, and then that, you know, then the bite really picks up. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for us, they don't all spawn at one time because if they all spawn at one time and then they're all done, then, you know, it'd pretty much be a desert out there for, for, yeah,
5: for a you know, of quite a little yeah.
11: while. Well, But fortunately, they don't all spawn at the same time. So you can usually catch them, you know, around this time of year. You can usually catch some fish. Uh, using some of the pre spawns some of the ones that are spawning, and then uh, some of the ones that are done.
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not uh, a bass angler. I'm you certainly I've caught bass and enjoy it. They fight hard, uh, but you know, to me, it's like you, you, you throw a hundred times for one fish. Four thousand. Uh, a thousand. Yeah, I was going to say a thousand, but you're probably better than that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, um, now Frank is an avid fly angler. And I think we've talked about this sometime in the past about the possibility and ability of catching bass on a fly rod.
11: Oh, I sure. Do it ever I'll show.
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Frank, do you want to come sure. on in that first?
6: Yeah, yeah. uh, every show we have the bass tank at the Fred Hall shows, and I always have at least 20 fish, barring this last one. We usually will get 15 to 20 takes on the bass pond when we're teaching about how to catch bass. And what he said, crawdads is my favorite pattern to use for largemouth bass and smallmouth bass. And I catch bass year round.
1: Well, Mark, I, you know, I think you're more of a traditional bass angler. But what do you think about using a fly rod?
11: Um, well, I'm a traditional guy and I'm a tournament guy, so we don't use fly rods in tournaments. Um, am I against it? No, I, you know, I think it'd be great fun. I've actually taken some people out in the Delta when they've used fly rods. You know, they use little poppers and uh, you know, some little crawfish baits, some little uh, uh, shad style baits that go, you know, maybe sink a little bit under the water. Um, and then, you know, during the early time of the year, we use a, a, a bait called a floating fly. I think Spro makes it. There's a couple other companies that, that make it. And it's like a little eighth ounce to a sixteenth ounce, to a 16 ounce uh, jig head with a, you know, with a fly tide on the back. And we throw that mostly for spots and smallmouth. Uh, but that has a tendency to work really well early in the year. So almost like fly fishing, um, you know, just not with fly rod. We use a spinning rod.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, you know, you can. My idea is work is uh, use what works.
11: Exactly. That's I mean, always, you know, the whole. The, it's fun to catch fish. You know, I mean, there's diehard fly guys, and you know, and those guys are just they're happy to do that. You know, and there's guys that. You know, like conventional. Some guys like spinning gears, Some guys like bait casters, and you know, really, it's all about having a good time catching well, some don't, fish don't, and uh, enjoying bass, yourself, don't, enjoying don't bat, the outdoors.
1: Yeah, generally speaking, bass don't really eat on top of the water, though, do they?
11: Oh yeah, they do eat on top of the water a lot. especially well, the post spawn fish.
1: Oh, Okay, I mean they actually come up. Not, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm talking about one or two feet below. But you're saying they come all the way up on top.
11: Oh yeah, they blow up on top. We catch them on top water all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have hundreds of top water lures. Mm-hmm. So we throw like little poppers and walking baits, and uh, you know, whopper plopper with a prop on the back, and um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of different top water baits. I mean, that's probably the most fun way to catch them because they come up and explode on your bait. And, you know, even if you don't catch them, you can see how big it was. It's usually the big ones. Sometimes they'll miss it, and you know, then you get all excited and kind of like getting two sevens on the slot machine and waiting for the third one to come up, you know?
6: (laughs) (laughs) I agree with that 110%.
11: (laughs) Are you there? Uh, You know, the whole allure about bass fishing is that, uh, you know, that they're such a hardy fish. I mean, you can catch them. Um, you know, you catch them, pull them out, take a picture, and let them go, and they survive really well. So you can do that. I mean, over and over and over again, which you know, which it makes it fun, and uh, it's just like a whole puzzle trying to figure out how to catch them every. You know, every day is different.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the great things about this show is we are all over the country, I'm actually mostly all over the world, and you know, except for Alaska. I uh, can't think of any state that doesn't have bass.
11: No, we got bass in every state except for Alaska. Yeah. I think it just gets too cold there and they won't survive. <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: Well, what's the prep that, that again? Let's talk about temperature. Now, trout, uh, I think they like water 50 degrees below if they, you know, ideally, right? And sure. bass, uh, you know, they they seem to be doing just fine in 70 80 degree water.
11: Right bass, yeah, bass don't bite so good when it's below fifty. That it makes it tough to catch them. Mm-hmm. You know, you get in the you know sixty degree range is when they start spawning, and you know they get when they usually when they get done, it's you know 65, 68 degrees. Um, you know they and they probably seventy degrees is the optimum temperature, but they can live in you know eighty or even ninety degree water.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you can find them everywhere and uh you do yeah they're uh, really
11: versatile hardy fish um of course
1: of course course in the south you know you've got uh uh, i mean everybody does that so you've got uh you go you got a pickup truck either you got a you got your boat behind it or you're on your way to get the boat
11: Exactly. You know, I remember the first time I drove back east, and it's like it seemed like every other every other driveway had a bass boat in it. I was like, "Wow, this is Mm -hmm. really cool." You know, California. Well, you know that's another thing too. You know, bass
1: bass boats. Uh, To me, because I I don't know, fished some years ago in a pro am. Well, I was definitely the amateur, and you get in this boat with this you know huge engine on it, and you get in, and it goes all the way across the lake. Uh, it was at Clear Lake, actually. And uh, they get there, and he, you know, the pro, you know, makes maybe a couple dozen casts and goes, yep. Eh. So he, we'd turn around and went, wow, back to where we started from. And I think he had more fun driving that boat than he did
11: fishing. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, it is it is kind of like, uh, you know, racing, a racetrack, you yeah. know, from one, from one spot to the other. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a tendency to try to not run all the way across the lake, you know, and, and try to find, you yeah. know, places where you can catch them closer together.
1: Yeah, but you got to see how fast that sucker will go. But, of uh, course. Yeah. That's all right. The last part of the anyway, uh, Mark, we're wrapping it up. That was some great tips that we had today about bass fishing, and everybody goes bass fishing once in a while. Uh, so com, right?
11: Yes, sir. Bassanglermag.com. Right. Go to the left-hand corner, sign up. We'll yeah,
1: the the public the sure publisher is actually a tournament bass angler, and he's apparently been doing all right this year. Anyway, thank you, Mark. We appreciate that. You are
3: listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John
1: Henneken. This is John Hennigan and Frank Selby, and we're having so much fun. What a great show we're having, right, Frank? Yes, and, uh, compared to last week. <laughs> oh, well, let's not talk about last week. We we tried to do something that didn't work so well, but yeah, we're a little, a little bit more organized today. At least we have a clue who's coming up next. And uh, we only got a couple minutes, but Mark has agreed to hang around for just a couple of minutes and uh, before to, you know, to kind of finish things out a little bit. But, uh, Frank, I've been talking a lot. Why don't you talk to Mark for a little bit about um, bat, well, hey Mark, do you ever do anything besides bass fishing?
11: Sure, you know I've got, I've been down to Cabo and you know fish for fish for tuna and wahoo and all of those. You know we go out in the ocean fish for halibut. Uh, you know sometimes sometimes for tuna for salmon. Um, you know I fish a lot for bass, but yeah, you know fish for well, the you, other you, fishes. Well, you also of
1: f- you also fish the delta for a mount too, don't you?
11: I do. I fish the Delta a lot for yeah. largemouth bass. Once yeah, in a while, good. we, you know, run some stripers and steelhead and salmon. You know, uh, at certain times of the year.
1: Okay, Frank. I said I was going to let you go with it, and then I kept talking.
11: That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, you
6: fish with who up on the Delta?
11: Uh, you know, most of, most of the tournaments I fish, I'm fishing so, uh, You know, kind of a, a lone wolf, you might say. Uh, and then I'll yeah. draw you know, draw an amateur partner and fish with them for the tournament. Um, and, I, I, you know, I also guide a little bit up there. So I take people out, you know, quite often.
1: Well, I tell you, striped bass in the delta is so much fun. And I don't usually throw those back.
11: Yeah, a lot yeah. of people like to eat those. I mean, yeah. They make good, good fish tacos.
1: Yeah, they're well, just good white. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
11: If you take just one fish,
6: it is not going to hurt the striper population at all. What I can't stand is somebody take their full limit every day, and then half of it goes out in the garden. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's no good. But I don't blame anybody to take two or three fish.
1: Well, you go out, and you, you know, you bring it home, and you know they're they're good fare, and they're a lot of fun to catch.
11: They are. Fun to catch. You know, you talked about uh, top water. You know, there's times of the year when uh, the stripers hit top water like crazy, and you throw big giant plugs for them, you know, six or eight inch plugs, and, you know, you get those 20 or 25 pounders come up and blow up on top of the water. And, I mean, there's nothing like that. It's so fun.
5: Okay. Yeah.
11: I, I uh, thereby,
6: the old, uh, Cow Palace. We, I was supposed to be going to the show okay, and we got, were
1: boiling. We, we got we got less than two minutes, but go ahead. We got, we're got we okay.
6: Oh, we uh going to the Cow Palace. We stopped <laughs> every morning. Caught uh, the, I call them firecrackers about 18, 20 inches right there off the highway <laughs> heading to Cow oh, Palace.
5: You know.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I've never done it and you don't really think about it, but apparently the San Francisco Bay is Got uh, quite a few fish in it, but you drive oh. over the bridges. I never see any boats down there fishing.
11: There's a, you know, there's a lot of stripers around Alcatraz, and you know, even outside the gate, inside the gate, uh, there's a lot of stripers there. You know, you throw hair razors and you know rattle traps for them, and uh, you can you can uh, uh, drift like anchovies, live anchovies. You pick hmm. those up in the Berkeley Marina. Oh, really? Um, you know, all that stuff is a lot of fun.
1: Oh, and that's yeah. uh, you, so you're using, using live bait for a bass.
11: Use live bait and also, you know, uh, artificial lures for them mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. But live bait is really, it's real fun to, to hook up a little live antelope and let it drift around and, you know, throw it down there. Because you, you don't know what you're going to get, whether you get yep, a big stingray or right. a shark or, yeah. um, you know, a big striper or halibut.
1: Okay. All right. Maybe well, I think we are pretty much out of it now. Mark, it's been so much fun to have you on again, and I don't know why it's been so long. But, uh, it's again, BassAnglerMag.com. And the publisher is a professional bass angler, so what does that tell you? We appreciate that, Mark, and talk to you soon. Frank, thanks, thanks John, for hanging appreciate in there. I Ready? Yeah. And uh, remember go to luckytacklebox.com and uh, we'll find out more about that.
0: Welcome to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. Welcome to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan
1: and Frank Selby, and uh, gosh, we're back from the Hall Show, Frank and. My, yeah. my goal was to find somebody that you didn't know, and I think I found one person out of uh, 100,000.
6: Well, I've been around for a long time, and uh, one of our best buddies I lost this week, and I almost every guy that fly fishes always knew Lefty, hmm. Craig. He did the, the deceiver, Lefty's deceiver. I'm going to miss him. And I hope he's up there with all the greats.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I hate it. seems like the last couple of years I've lost more than a few. I mean, you can always make new friends, but you can't make new old friends. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, yeah, I hate it when they do that.
11: Yeah, they
6: just uh,
1: they don't yet,
11: even but... tell you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, that was a nice nice shout-out for that. Yeah. But, uh, and you said someone he taught you how to cast left-handed?
6: Yeah, he watched me. I was left-handed or right-handed, and he taught me tricks how to cast left-handed that gave me an edge on about 80% of my competition. Well,
1: what is, the, what is the advantage of, you know, it's like in baseball, being a switch hitter, depending on the pitcher, can be a great advantage, but what's the advantage in, uh, in, in fishing?
6: Well, left-handed is not the same as right-handed. Right-handed, most People do ten to two left handed you do more of a side uh like around eleven o'clock or ten o'clock off to the side, mm-hmm. and you can control so mm-hmm. well I can hit cups at fifty feet with my left hand
1: wow well no and me.
6: that was all him, yeah. Yeah. And I learned a lot of tricks that I owe to him that made me what I am today on casting.
1: Yeah, it does it. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna take we got about just a couple of seconds, but hopefully during the show we're gonna see if we can get some people interested in going to uh, Baja with us the end of September, which is a,
0: oh yeah, I'm ready
1: trip.
6: for that trip.
1: Well, we have, I think we got the dates, but we don't have it firmed up yet. It's getting a little late, but uh, uh, let us know if you're interested. <laughs> okay, looks like. Uh, We're going to be coming back here in just a minute and it should be fun.
2: It's a great time to visit Lake nacimento Hard to pronounce, easy to find, to rest and relax this fall and winter season. Cast your line, sit back, breathe in the crisp air, and catch a fish. The resorts offer accommodations from lodges that sleep four or more, modular cabins that sleep up to eight, all fully furnished lodges with scenic views of the lake. Self-contained RV rental trailers are also available. Located midway between Los Angeles and San Francisco, the resort offers fun and adventure for the entire family. Visit NassimentoResort.com. That's N-A-C-I-M-I-E-N-T-O-Resort.com. let me tell you about a fantastic boutique hotel on mag bay called the mangrove inn located on the estuary in lopez mateos this unique hotel will connect you with nature the whale watching is incredible They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides and the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel. The chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at MangroveInBaja.com. Or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's
5: 434-953-8598.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken? This is
1: John Hedding along with Frank Selby and our special guest, Jesse Graham. Now, this is one of those segments I always look forward to because uh, um, we were uh, at at the booth and ran into somebody that sounded interesting. And he goes, you know, I'm not really good on the radio, but I know who is. My number one guide is Jesse and he's been everywhere and done everything. And uh, so we've got a couple of different subjects we want to talk about because of your background. In particular, I've never fished at a Sitka, but, uh, you know, I've got some ideas. But we're going to find out the real truth. And uh, we've got Jesse on the line. Jesse, welcome to Fish on Talk Radio.
12: Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: You betcha. And uh, just a, a very, well, in, in my opinion, a young guy, but... Uh, Um, of course most people are nowadays but uh,
6: anybody's a day younger than you is young and anybody a day older than you is really old
1: oh yeah that part is true but uh, yeah i'm still just a kid until i look in the mirror yeah but uh anyway uh jesse uh, give us a little bit about your background who you work with and you know what your i guess your day job is
12: yeah, okay. So I'm uh, 31 years old. I've uh, I'm grew up in Portland, Oregon. Um and at 18 years old, I moved up to Sitka, Alaska. Um went to told everybody I was going to college, really I was just going to fish. <laughs> and um I uh, I ended up spending you know a couple of years in college during the summers i uh, got a job out in bristol bay on the nushigak river as a river guide um doing king salmon fishing out there and i did that for two years it was a lot of fun uh real good time uh but you know spending 30 nights in a tent when it doesn't get dark outside yeah. you get a little draining um so i opted out to uh uh decided to start fishing in sitka where i had started to build a life and uh, spent a few years as a fly fishing guide here, uh, and then in the last oh, eight years or so, I've been uh, running a saltwater boat here in, in Sitka, Alaska, working for Big Blue Charters.
1: Big Blue, okay. So that's uh, that's who we're going to promote today, right?
12: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, actually, the owner of Big Blue Charters, I went to get him on, and he goes, You know, John, I'm not really good on the radio, but I, got, I know the guy that is.
12: <laughs> oh yeah, Mike's a good guy. Good guy. Probably not the radio personality though.
1: Yeah. Well, he does have a personality, but just <laughs> anyway. Um gosh, you mentioned long lining mm-hmm. and I don't know if um Frank, I don't know if we should start the, we're going to do a 10 plus a 12 minute segment with Jesse cuz of his uh varied uh, expertises is. This. And let's start with the long lining.
6: Yeah, that's a good
1: idea. You know, my, uh, (laughs) my impression, it gets a lot of bad rap because, you know, these long lining, you know, some of those lines, you know, will go 20, 30, 40 miles. And they just lay them out. And by the time they get them all down, they circle back around and start bringing them in. So when you say long lines, how long are the lines you're talking about?
12: Uh, for what we do, and I, and I you know halibut uh I've done a little bit of halibut, not very much most of what i've done is uh, black cod mm-hmm. and uh for black cod you know we're we're really usually, usually only using about uh three miles a line
5: mm-hmm.
12: uh two thousand hooks or so maybe three thousand uh depending on the set we're making um and you know the bycatch that everybody thinks is is so substantial really for halibut or, or for black cod uh long lining is is not uh, that horrific you know we, we're only allowed a certain amount um, of bycatch 10% and um, the main bycatch that you catch at that depth is going to be what's called a, um, a thorny head rockfish we call them idiot fish <laughs> um, but uh Rarely, I've never seen the catch go above what's allowed by catch-wise.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, other than bike, that, you get you, some you, odd you,
12: fish, grenadier. Well, um, you throw the, to the different back, you have to um, couple different things, but nothing, nothing substantial. I mean, ninety percent of what you catch is black caught Okay, and uh, and the fishery, you know, they they put out the regs every year, and and the fishing game guys do a real good job of deciding what what's available to be caught. It's all done under a. Uh, 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 personal quota now and so each boat is given a certain amount of fish they are allowed to catch for the year. So they're not going out and just... Pillaging, pillaging, pillaging until they're told to stop. They they have a certain amount they know they're allowed to keep, mm-hmm. and then they don't go over that.
1: Now the bycatch so, does that just go back in the water dead, or do you can you sell it? No, no.
12: The bycatch is allowed to be kept and sold mm-hmm. um, up to that ten percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get beyond that, you're supposed to move areas and stuff like that. But again, um, the, the the guy that I fish with is my actually my father-in-law. He's been doing it for forty years, uh, longer than that actually. He's he's uh, Little over 70 years old, and he's uh, been doing it since he was a little kid. But he's owned the boat he's got now for about 40 years and and he's got a lot of experience knows mm-hmm. where to go knows how to do it you well know, without harming
1: much um else. just to, from what i know about black cod which is also a sable fish is that right
5: that's correct yeah
1: and they're they are so good white buttery meat oh but I had uh, last night you know but their habitat um you know a lot of people fish for them go down a thousand feet but on a long line i can't suppose you could do that can you
12: Oh, you absolutely can. In fact, the first uh, black cod trip I did, um, you know, we fish in fathoms, but if I if I am correct, we were we were just a little over 3000 feet on that first trip oh that I did. Now again, God. that's that's really deep. That's that's a lot that's deeper true. than a lot of guys go and deeper than the guy I was with normally goes. Wow. But you've got the capacity to do it as long, you can go as deep as you have as much line to do. Wow. Um, and and you know as much weight as you have <laughs> it's a lot yeah, of weight yeah but it's hydraulic so <laughs> right. don't have to worry about that too much
1: well you can't go very fast and can you how fast you troll or lay out
12: uh you lay it out at about 5 knots mm-hmm. um and you know it's set up on a buoy system so you've got uh, um You've got your your first line goes down with a big anchor that sets on the bottom of the ocean, and as you're letting out the line that's going to be on the bottom of the ocean, you're also letting out your buoy line. Mm -hmm. And so that comes up. um, As soon as you get to the depth, then you toss your buoy over. You've got this big, long pole buoy with a flashing light on it, so you know where to find it. It's got GPS on it. And then you set the rest of your hooks, drop it, then drop your other yeah,
1: side. I've uh, I've seen you know different videos and stuff on them, and a lot of it's automated. But uh, you, you, do you bait them by hand, and you know, do, you, do you take <laughs> yes, them off I by do. hand? Um,
12: again, the, my father-in-law, he's he's from the old school, and uh, he's not a big fan of the auto baiters. Um, because they do miss hooks. You know, you get certain hooks, several hooks throughout the string that don't get baited or get missed. Um, the only way to make sure you get everyone hooked or everyone baited is, is to do to it. Have somebody sitting there baiting them. And yeah, oh,
1: we spent, man, that sounds like a lot you know, of work.
12: It, it is. For For a 10,000 pound trip we did here this fall, uh, we spent about five days, you know, eight hours a day baiting.
1: And when they, they come left. in, do they just get squeezed off or do you take them off? I'm sorry, what was that? When they can, when you bring them in, do they get squeezed off? Do you take them off or what?
12: Um, usually what we're using is salted herring, which stays on the hook fairly well. But by the time you, you drop it down, it gets bumped around on the bottom of the ocean. And by the time you bring it back up, most of the time, either you got a fish on there or nothing. Yeah. Um, but there is... Um, a little device that you can shut down over it over the roller as the line comes into the boat, yeah um, you shut that down and it 's almost like a broom it, on each side it 's got um, you know plastic that as it pulls through there, it kind of rips the bait
1: off yeah and the fish themselves do they get uh, just squeezed off or you take them off?
12: Um, it kind of depends on the fish. Uh, smaller black cod, a lot of times you can just squeeze off. It runs down the chute, yeah. and the guy that's gilling and gutting will just grab it and gill it and throw it into the hold. Um, or if it's a bigger one, they'll unclip it and or, or uh, pull it off the hook mm-hmm. and send it over. Make sure it gets into the boat because sometimes when you're squeezing them off, they you okay. know they have a Small tenant. Well, in, in again,
1: we said we could do a whole show just on this, but uh, we're going to do a 10 minute segment which is quickly coming to a close. Okay. And we want to give Mike a, a plug at Blue Sky Charters, right? Uh,
12: yeah, Big Blue Charters,
1: yeah. B- oh, Big Blue Charters, right, that's right. Big yep. Blue Charters. So is that bigbluecharters.com?
12: Bigbluecharters.com, yeah.
1: And that's at of Sitka. It yeah, is out of Sitka, Looking back, I want to find out more about Sitka because I've never fished out of there.
5: Absolutely. But, uh, you know,
1: and then we'll talk about a little bit other types of varieties. And you've got some background in marine biology, too. So we've got plenty to talk about in 12 minutes. So everybody better pay very close attention. Uh, Frank, uh, you know, I'm sure you can uh, join in here. You've been a little quiet.
6: I was uh, listening.
1: Okay. Well, that's the whole thing it's about. You learn. Anyway, uh, find us on the web at fishtalkradio.com.
2: Let me tell you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn, located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides, and even bird watching guides, and the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel the chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at MangroveInBaja.com, or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's 434-953-8598. Lake Cabot, won seventh place in America's top 100 family-friendly places to boat and fish, the lake is in the Bay Area, only 45 minutes away from San Francisco. This scenic destination boasts over a dozen hiking and biking trails, trophy-sized fish, boat rentals, Bay Area kayak tours, and a picturesque eating area at the surprisingly delicious cafe. Tell them John Hennigan sent you, and they'll even give you a special gift on California parks. Visit LakeCabotRecreation.com for information. That's LakeCabotRecreation.com.
0: Welcome back to fish talk and hunt radio with John Henneken. This is
1: John Hennigan and we still have uh, Terrell on the line with us and we were talking about long lining and we could do a whole show on that but I think it gives you a bit of an idea of what you know what that type of thing I guess there's a lot of different types of long lining where you know some of them he says 3 miles which is pretty long that's you know sometimes they'll get 10 times that but uh, anyway he is out of Sitka And we were just talking about the salmon season coming up for this year. And for pretty much south of Sitka, there there isn't going to be any. Uh, So I don't know if if, uh, you want to comment on that a little bit, Terrell. It's uh, Jesse. Oh, we have Jesse. uh, Yeah.
12: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, so the reason that Sitka still should be um, uh, pretty darn good for king salmon is that we're on the Gulf of Alaska, unlike a lot of places in southeast Alaska, Um, We're on the open ocean, and we are out of a little sound on the island that we're on. And so we're not necessarily catching fish that are returning this exact year. We're catching fish a lot of times that are returning this year, but also fish that are returning next year, the year after, things like that. And they're just moving through the sound to feed um, at that exact point. And um, so, therefore, we have an abundance of fish even when a lot of places don't. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I know that, uh, like I said, things are cyclical, but it's certainly on a downward And There's just so many things that come into play. Uh, do you think overfishing is one of the major parts of that?
12: You know, it, it definitely could be. Um, I wouldn't say that any one faction has a bigger uh, um, responsibility to that than another. But uh, I think a lot of things do. You know, a couple of years ago we had that... Uh, what they call it, the blob out in the out in the Gulf, um, the big warm mass of water out there, and I I don't think that did us any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for, for the most part, you know Sitka kind of has a way of of uh, dodging a lot of the the negative trends. Again, of course, fishing is fishing anywhere you go. Um, you know, you have your good days and your bad days, but uh, for the most part, Sitka kind of stays above average. Um, Uh, pretty well through the summer.
1: Frank, have you fished out of Sitka? One time. Mm -hmm. Now, my impression, correct me if I'm wrong, which I probably am, is every year we go up uh, to uh, uh, out of uh, Mm Ketchikan. Simple, easy, you know, good fishing. Um, In Sitka, one of the things that concerns me is because it is out on the open ocean. We're in uh, Ketchikan, it's on the inland passage mm-hmm. and it's very well protected. But Sitka, you know, you guys you, know, you guys are right out on the on the Bering Sea, right?
12: Uh, not the Bering Sea, the, the Gulf of Alaska.
1: Gulf of Alaska, okay. Uh,
12: um, but, uh, you know, it, it, we do have open water. We can get into, you know, if you've got somebody that's buck wild ready to go and it's a nasty day, we can go visit some rough water. But we do have a lot of islands and island chains Right around us, they're not the big, huge islands like the ones around Ketchikan. But at the same time, you know, we've got, for example, Biork Island just to the south of us. And even on a really, really rough day, we can go down there, stay protected, and catch a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it it does get a bad rap for its, its weather and its 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 waves. But uh, for the most part, if you you can catch fish in calm water on pretty much any day.
1: Okay. Well, um, I, don't I got to Go ahead, Frank.
6: I- I got a couple questions. How many boats do you run out of your uh, business? Uh, we have four
12: boats four uh, four thirty foot banff boats um, It's a company the boat building company is actually a company that Mike Keating, the owner of the lodge and charters owns as well um, They're beautiful fiberglass boats thirty um, foot oh. overall they got a nine six uh, beam uh, they We run Volvo Penta uh, 370 horsepower D6 engines.
1: Oh, inboards then, yeah. Yep,
12: uh, In inboard outboards, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, cruise right around 25 to 30 knots.
1: Boy, there is something to be said, because, uh, you know, there's probably a lot more aluminum boats than there is fiberglass. But there's something about a fiberglass mm-hmm. boat. I think it's warmer, it's more comfortable. It's uh quieter. Quieter, hmm
12: Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, there, each each uh, boat, each type of boat, uh, aluminum and fiberglass, have their ups and downs. But I, I really do. I these boats we're running now. I've I have spent time with other companies here in town. I've been with Big Blue for the last, I think, six years. Um, I've run aluminum boats. I've run other fiberglass boats, and and these boats we we run now. They really are. They're kind of like the Cadillac out of Sitka. Mm-hmm. They're um, they're a very very nice boat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are comfortable, and, you know, you don't, uh, I don't know, for some reason when you go farther south, you don't see a lot of the bigger aluminum boats. But uh, up there, I don't know, maybe it's the weight or the price or whatever it is, but, you know, they're very aluminum, you know, even the 30, 32-footers are popular up there for uh, six-pack fishing.
12: No, absolutely, they are, and, and and they have their purpose. They're you know they're a good hard workhorse, but I just I've I've gotten used to this fiberglass thing. I like the the warmth, the heat, the the and and we have a pretty nice deep V with some real hard chines on them, um, real good hard uh, you know sound hull on them. Uh, they're just they're just a top end boat. They really okay. are.
1: Well, Frank, you've been there at least once. Give us your impression of Sitka because you've fished probably anywhere and done everything. Uh, but <laughs> Not everything. But... Give, 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 give us a little bit of an overview of Sitka
6: well you were going back 42 years <laughs> but then it was really a lot of fun we'd go out and catch all different kinds of fish uh, I love the halibut fish and uh, believe it or not I used to use a lead core line the fly rod back then we only had up to a 17 weight. And I'd use lead core, and I've caught a lot of big halibut. I've never got one over 200 pounds, but that's what I'm shooting for when we go up.
1: Well, I'm sure you, are you sure you want one? <laughs>
6: yeah, that's a heck of a fight on a fly rod. Uh, yeah, well, you, you think about when we used to get the—on the uh, on those sandy and the salmon and the clackamas.
1: Well, the thing about halibut is they, you know, they'll fight and run, but they get tired out, and you know, and then you just kind of coax them up to the boat. But uh, you know, to try and just drag them up off the bottom, you ain't going to do that with a fly rod. Oh yes, yes,
6: yes, you can. Hmm. Even when they suck the bottom with their body, oh, it it just takes a lot longer and a lot harder work, but yeah. you can
1: get them. Yeah, as I said, I'm not even sure I would want one.
6: <laughs>
12: I do I, they're they're I mean, hard fighting fish that's for sure I've had a lot of uh, we do a wounded warrior trip or a uh, freedom alliance trip every year in May and we get these big burly you know military guys that are ready to go and gung ho and we got these real nice fancy avid you know halibut reels and, and boy even you hook into a 60 or a 70 pound halibut and sometimes these big burly guys turn into
6: not so big and burly yeah and some of them little women come in and hook them and land them like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. You're not kidding. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I hated that one time I was uh, I won't say where I was, but we were both fishing, and I swear to God, she got two fish into my one. Yeah.
12: <laughs> <laughs> well, I always tell people that uh, women women do better because they listen better. Oh yeah you know, that's true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we got about 3 minutes left but uh you know Sitka one of the things about it it's easy to get into.
5: Mm-hmm. And it's have, very easy.
1: Uh, you can get direct flights from Seattle is that right
12: that 's correct. we got one direct flight out of Seattle, maybe two every day, and then on top of that we have uh, two or three that all you have to do is go uh, hit the tarmac and Ketchcan and Juno or Ketchcan or juno and and then come right over to Sitka so yeah uh, real, real easy
1: yeah, no, that makes a difference and about the town itself how you know what what 's there
12: uh, we've got 8,500 people. Uh, we've got 14 miles of road. It's pretty small. Um, but it's, it's a real real homey uh, feeling, a real good sense of community. A lot of the other places in Southeast kind of have um, different sorts of feels to them, in, if you ask me. But Sitka has a real, real friendly feel to it. Mm-hmm like a
6: neighborhood
1: and the yeah. the weather, the weather is it uh, um, obviously you know somebody said one time you you can't forecast the weather in, a, in Alaska because that's where it's born <laughs> you know,
12: if you're farther, farther south, you got that one. That's pretty good. You
1: know, farther south, you got these fronts coming in from different directions, and you can track them for days. But up there, you know, you don't know what's going to happen until it happens.
12: That's exactly right. I laugh at the weatherman every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, usually in the summer, you're looking at anywhere between uh, you know 55 and 70 degrees is pretty common. You might get some rain. You might get sun. Um,
1: or or but, there's a good chance you get all of the above.
12: Exactly, exactly. And you know, it's it's that's actually most common. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well you're far enough north that uh you know you don't it doesn't really get you know, by the time you you can probably read a newspaper at eleven o'clock at night outside. And oh, yeah. it doesn't really it yeah. doesn't really start turning into dusk until maybe midnight. And yeah, yeah, only, I'd say only eleven a couple thirty hours.
12: to midnight, but and then you know, I wake up at uh, three o'clock every morning in the summer. Yeah. And uh it's uh you know dead, middle of the summer it's it's bright out,
1: yeah yeah well it's uh it's kinda it's kind of hard to get used to, but 'cause you you know you tend not to go to sleep until it gets dark, and it never gets dark
6: oh, we got real dark shades,
1: yeah, there you go.
6: <laughs> I got one more question real quick yeah, uh, how many uh hotels and uh Lodges are around you guys that you can boy, get uh, as to. As far as
12: hotels go, we've got we've got
6: three hotels
12: and then uh, one or two motels, mm-hmm. um, and then boy, there's there's several lodges. I, I well, don't know the, the exact uh, number on that. Yeah. Um,
1: well, but, big 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 blue. Do they have accommodations there?
12: What we do is in our package prices, we, um, we uh, provide you with your lodging, mm-hmm. which is at one of the hotels in town. The nice thing about that hotel is that it's got its own waterfront dock. You okay, basically cool. walk out of the lobby, you turn right, and you walk down about 100 yards, and you're standing right there at the boat.
1: There you go. Okay. All right. Well, it looks like we're going to have to squeeze you out. We appreciate you taking all that time, Jesse. It's been hey, fascinating. No so we'll try it again sometime. That sounds real good. Thanks for your time.
12: Hey, thank you, guys. All
1: right.
2: Lake Cabot, seventh place in America's top 100 family-friendly places to boat and fish, the lake is in the Bay Area, only 45 minutes away from San Francisco. This scenic destination boasts over a dozen hiking and biking trails, trophy-sized fish, boat rentals, Bay Area kayak tours, and a picturesque eating area at the surprisingly delicious cafe. Tell them John Hennigan sent you, and they'll even give you a special gift on California parks. Visit LakeCabotRecreation.com for information. That's LakeCabotRecreation.com.
8: See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 mpg highway based on V6 4x2. The
3: East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll free to 877 777 Tuna to find out how affordable world class fishing can be. finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos Del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico.
1: Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos Del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at V-A-G-A-B-U-N-D or call 800-474-BAJA.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken this is John Hennigan, and of course,
1: Frank Selby is still there. And Frank, I'm right th- right th- you're, you're going to get to learn some things because uh, I don't think you've ever talked to Jason before. But no. uh, Jason's a great, great guy. And he, uh, well, he went down to Cabo with us, and instead of getting on a cruiser, he and his buddy got to ATV and cruised the beach. Yeah, it was spot fishing, fly fishing. So, um, And that was out of uh, Palmas de Cortez, too, wasn't it? That out of East Cape. And we're going to plan on putting a trip together. We didn't do it last year or so, but uh, we're going to try and see if we can get some interest to get some people to go down. Um, I can't give you the exact numbers, but I think we're going to try and do a four-night, three-day fishing. It'll be under $1,000. And how many can we take? Well, right now, we haven't started booking yet, so whoever wants to go can go. But, uh, you know, at least I like to get about, don't like to go over 18. It gets a little crazy, but usually around 12 is a good number. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's a great little town. Yeah, uh, it's like a real Mexican town. There's no graffiti. There's no timeshares. There's nobody's trying to sell you fake Cuban cigars on the streets. And uh, it's just a neat little Mexican town. And it's a beautiful, beautiful beach, as Jason can attest to.
13: It's pretty nice down there.
1: Yeah. And by the way, Jason's going to stay in my condo coming up in a couple of weeks in Cabo San Lucas. Um, I guess uh, he and his bride uh, want to go on a second honeymoon, so it's going to be just the two of them.
13: Yeah, we turned forty this year, so it's time. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. No, you're gonna you're gonna really enjoy it.
13: Yeah, the location looks amazing. So
1: there is, there is no better location. That's why I bought it twelve years ago.
13: Yeah, yeah. good right,
1: spot. Right next to the marina. You know, just a short walk to Madonna Beach, and and uh, just so easy. That's the, except there's some stairs. It's a, you know, it's above street level, so you got two flights of stairs. So
6: yeah. Um, At- one most important thing, you forgot to tell them, they can go up on the deck up on top and look right into oh, yeah. the bay. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: you've been there. Yeah, yeah been it there. was. Yeah. All righty. But, uh, anyway, um, Jason is an interesting guy because he has a, a company called Breakwater Tours, and one of his buddies, his fishing buddy, um, apparently he's got a uh, little extra change, so he bought a uh, a very large plot of land in Santa Barbara County, which ain't cheap. And you've got, like, what, 40, 60 acres of of, of, uh, grapes on it?
13: Yeah, 42-acre vineyard, Thompson Vineyard. Um, So we sell to about 25 wineries in the valley here.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And what else do you have out on that?
13: Uh, well, I got uh, one lake and two ponds.
5: <laughs>
13: which uh, let's get let's get down to the important stuff there here: the go. water and the fish. Yeah. Um, we just spent the last two years building a new trout lake, and uh, I've got close to thirty feet in depth, and I loaded it with eight hundred pounds of Nebraska Tailwalker Cam Loop rainbows, mm-hmm. and I've got rainbows up to fifteen pounds in there.
1: Well, Frank, do you want to go? fishing
6: yeah i could do that
1: once or well, twice well it's uh it's very private it's uh, jason's own territory but you know if you know him well enough you might be able to get in there <laughs>
13: yeah i think we might be able to do that as yeah. long as you throw a fly rod
1: There you go. oh okay yeah <laughs> flies catching in the talk, sunlight. Yeah. yeah well frank would love that yeah and uh, let's just mention a little bit before we get too far into the other stuff is breakwater tours
13: yeah, that's my business, and, uh, you know, I've got both local stuff here in Santa Barbara County that uh, for bass fishing, uh, surf fishing along the beaches of Santa Barbara, the private water here on the ranch for trout and uh, Florida strain largemouth bass along with northern strain largemouth, and, uh, and then I also host trips down to uh, Mexico, Belize, a few other nice spots to go where I put groups together, so if anybody's ever interested in putting a group down to Lake El Salto or go fish the flats of Belize I'd be happy to help with that
1: yeah yeah. well that's you know these are places I've never been but that sounds great have you ever been to El Salto Frank or Belize yeah of course (laughs) of course yeah (laughs) (laughs) stupid question uh, yeah
6: uh, the one thing I was really interested in uh, when you're fishing off the beach do you still get white sea bass there in Santa Barbara
13: you know, every once in a while we'll bring in a white sea bass well, off the
1: beach. It, the last couple of years have been really good, but, you know, it's, it's we're past that season right now.
13: Yeah, you usually need to get out a little further, either on a kayak or a boat. But mm-hmm. once in a while, we get lucky and pulling in. It's usually a, you know, a two-footer. It's not one of the real big monsters. But mm-hmm. some of the smaller ones will come in and 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 hunt in the surf, and you can find them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is rare. I mean, maybe one a season, if that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but they're there. Doesn't mean and you can't do when it. when you're
1: surf fishing at uh, Palmas, what were you catching?
13: In uh, Palmas de Cortez, mm-hmm. um, you know, we got—we uh, were chasing roosters. Uh, we didn't land one. We hooked into a couple that just totally worked us over from the beach. But uh, we were—we got grouper, needlefish, uh, Sierra, a couple other species. I have no clue what they were. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're there.
1: I will tell you what—you put your line in the water in the Sierra Cortez, you don't really know what's going to happen.
13: No, there's a lot down there. Mm-hmm. But it was a it was a fun trip. We did ten or twelve miles by quad mm-hmm. and uh, plenty of beer strapped to the back. Mm-hmm. So it was fun.
1: Yeah, no, that would be. I think on the trip that we're trying to put together would be optional. If you want to, uh, you know, go on a cruiser for two days and and we'll set you up with a a quad for a day if you want to do that.
13: Yeah, that's what we ended up doing. We did one day on the Sport Fisher, uh, two days on the Ponga, and one day on the Quad, mm-hmm. and it was great. Yeah. So it was nice to mix it up.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you know, breakwater. You primarily, you like El Salto for what reason?
13: Lake El Salto is just a, a very, very special place. It's it's about an hour and a half inland from Mazatlan, and uh, I I consider it the best bass fishing lake in the world. I don't I don't know that it can be beat. Um, from from sure numbers, but, you know, discounting the numbers that you get a day, it's the size of these fish are just huge. And they they commercially fish the lake for tilapia. So they have motivation to keep that that uh, type of fish in there really a strong population they feed them they keep them going Mm -hmm. so these bass just have plenty of food and i mean it's not it's normal to go down there and catch 10 or 15 fish over seven pounds in a day i Mm -hmm. mean it's not hard to accomplish Mm -hmm. um we've we've caught them up to 10 11 12 pounds and uh many of the trips you know each guy in my group is catching over 100 bass a day whoa and uh the fishing is just astounding it's a twenty-four thousand acre lake it's huge so you can run a half hour in a bass boat full speed across it and still not see all the water yeah uh you can go up the river and fish um i mean i've 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 been there 13 times now wow and i still have moments out during the day that i have no clue where we are
1: transportation and accommodations how do you get there and where do you stay
13: you know, uh, I use a, a resort called Angler's Inn. Um, it's it's actually the guy who stalked the lake, Billy Chapman, a long time ago. He's kind of one of the founders of that lake. And uh, they pick you up at the airport. Um, so you're with one of their staff all the time Um, all the food, booze, everything's all inclusive, the guiding Um, it's not that expensive, I can put packages together Um, I've been representing them for 20 years and I've never had a trip that's been you know, messed up in any ways or uh, you know, an unsafe situation everything's just been nailed and that's Mm -hmm. their focus Um, you know, they, they really try and just make the trip perfect and then we usually top it off by going to Mazatlan for a couple of days and hanging out on the beach. There you go. Yeah.
1: And uh, talking about Belize, that's become extremely popular in the last five years or so.
13: Yeah. Belize is, is really neat. And they, they speak English over there, which is nice. Uh, we fly into Belize City and then jump on a puddle jumper out to San Pedro, which is out on Ambergris Cay. And uh, we fish for four days, and you're in, you know, flat boats. Uh, and I mean, if you, if you picture this, it's hundreds of miles, basically three to six feet deep, with giant fish swimming around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than that. With tarpon, bonefish, snook, uh, permit. Uh, we go into the mangroves for all kinds of reef fish, and you know it,
1: it's just what well, do you just take a flat bottom boat and pole or what kind of a, what kind of boat do you use?
13: yeah, the guy's on the back on a platform with a pole pushing you around, mm-hmm. and uh you know obviously they have an outboard to get you there um and uh, you can kind of tell them what you want to target. If you want to fish tarpon the whole time, you can. Okay. And they
6: have resident and migratory tarpon down there.
1: Well, we've we've got about a minute, Frank. I'm sure you got a question or comment.
6: Yeah. Do you uh, did you ever go over to the Monkey River and fish it? I don't know that. No. Okay. Look it up. It's a good one, huh? yeah really good uh, 70s 80s we had a lot of fun the mm-hmm. landing on the landing strips a little scary <laughs> yeah
1: well um one of, one of the things that i think has been happening uh jason is that there's been great fishing you know south of the border but when you get farther down there hasn't didn't used to be that much of an infrastructure so it wasn't easy and it wasn't cheap but apparently that's changed a lot in the last five ten years
12: yeah, we we use a resort El Pescador,
13: and and they're great. And you know, you can get this trip done for you know a few thousand bucks. It's it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it because they're all all inclusive. You know, you pay the total price in the beginning, and and it's not that bad. So. Yeah,
1: just make a deposit, and make monthly payments a year in advance. There you go. <laughs> when it comes up, you just get on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we we got about thirty seconds, Jason. Uh, breakwater Tours. How do you find them?
13: Yeah, if you hit my web- website, www.breakwatertours.com. And uh, if anybody wants some help putting a trip together, I'd be happy to do it. Or if they want to fish uh, some local water here in California, I'd be happy to put them on some uh, good fishing.
1: Sounds great. And you supply the wine, too, right?
13: Oh, yeah, everything.
6: Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like okay. that part of it. The, there
1: you go. You're All, right, hired. <laughs> All right, Jason. All right, Jason. We do appreciate and uh, And we're going to have to end this session. The
3: East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we're going to hold Jason over for just a couple of more minutes.
1: And uh, uh, Frank, of course, is still in there, so we have got a couple minutes to you know to finish up what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's got something they want to slide in there, but what uh, a breakwater tours or fishing California or fishing in Baja.
6: Well, let's go to Baja and then to California.
1: There you go, there you go. Oh, let me mention one more time: is that we're Frank and I are going to see if we can put together a last-minute trip to uh, uh, the Palmas de Cortez, the East Cape, uh, which is right above the airport at Cabo San Lucas, and uh, you know, it'd be very. It'll be under a thousand dollars. Don't sure exactly what, but um, I'm sure that we can, we can, we can make it work on any budget.
13: I miss the tacos by the pool.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
6: (laughs) Fish tacos, right?
13: Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Oh, that swim-up bar. That
1: that swim-up bar is really nice. And also, the building next door, you never went over there. It's Playa del Sol. It used to be just kind of overrun and kind of forgotten, but they spent a ton of money remodeling it, and they've got beautiful, beautiful rooms and a new restaurant, and uh, they're just adjacent to each other. But, you know, you get up in the morning, and you... Um, to go to the restaurant, get some breakfast, and you're looking out. and Sometimes you can see the fish crashing right off the shore, and then you get down to that floating dock, which is not an easy thing. But uh, you know, you, they throw you on the boat and, with your lunch and beer and stuff, and you take off. And there's, you know, there's depending on the time of year or what's biting, I, you, know, you can catch fish a hundred yards from shore. And of course, you catch them in the surf.
13: Yeah, that area is so loaded with rooster fish too. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how many were there. they mm-hmm. They're yeah. everywhere.
1: Especially south of there. There's just a I don't think you can get there in a quad, but you don't have to go very far to get to really, really good rooster fishing.
13: Yeah. Yeah, we slammed 'em. Mhm. What weight were you throwing? Uh twelve. For the well, I had a ten and a twelve. Yeah. But it was I like usually throw a ten. Yeah. We also threw spinning gear because the guys were wanting to just throw out big old fish that they had caught, let the roosters gulp them down.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
13: Yeah. That was fun.
1: Uh, roosters are so much fun because they tend to be in close to shore, uh, sandy bottom with rocks, and when you're doing a slow troll, you'll that comb on the back of them, you know, it's kind of like a cruise missile, and it'll come up and it'll be following the bait. So you get to see the attack and the takedown and, and it's just a, and then the, and then the fight. They're a lot of fun, but uh, also tuna, and probably it's that time of the year. There should be marlin and dorado, and they're all fun. And Frank is going to catch some on a fly rod.
6: Yep. Always do. All right. Uh, Oh, yeah. I I wanted to tell him, I'm going to send you up. I'll get your address later. I'm going to send you up a half a dozen of my crawdad patterns for your largemouth bass. You'll you'll love it on a flywheel.
13: Perfect. I'd love it. That'd be great.
6: Yeah, i make them out of uh, pheasant. And they look just like a cod. Is yours up there red now, or do you have the brown or the reddish uh, black?
13: They're red most of the year. You know, they'll change a little bit, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, I see them red. Well,
1: Jason, next time we bring you on, I'd like to know what's involved in creating a fish pond. You can't just dig a hole in the the earth and, and put some water in it.
13: No, there's a lot that goes into it, especially de- dealing with the county permitting. That was
1: yeah, probably the worst right. part. Okay. All righty. Well, we'll talk about that another time, but it uh, uh, looks like you're living the life, Jason, and hope you have a great time down in Cabo, and we'll make sure you get accommodations to fix you up.
13: Thanks, John. Really take, looking take forward out, to it.
1: Take you out on the uh, uh, Blue Sky Yacht for a sunset cruise. Put you on a half-day boat in La Panga. Uh, you're going to have a great time Some good food. All right. It uh, looks like uh, um, our engineer, board operator, is uh, pointing his fingers. So it looks like that's about it for this show. We'll be in touch with you guys soon. Thank you very much for helping out. You are listening. Uh, just go to fishtalkradio.com and listen as many times as you want.